Welcome to Voices in the River. This is Rebecca Allman. We are gathered today to disrupt some narratives about women and power, ancestors and magic. Come and sit with me, your devoted witch, and listen to the flow as we interview our guest today, Kate Eastwood Norris. I'm just kind of starstruck. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She is a theater actor for over 30 years, and I saw her in a version of Macbeth several years ago, and that character kept coming to me and saying that she wanted to speak. That's wild. I don't, I'll tell don't you, ask that, me who that is. That did I don't know. things to me when you said that. <laughs> okay. And she kept coming to me at night in the kitchen, in the shower, driving in my car, saying, I want to speak. I don't see Kate regularly, and I called her and asked her if she would be on the podcast, uh, hoping that we could talk about the witches in Macbeth. And we never talked about it, so I'll have to have her back. But what we do talk about is all the identities that we play and how we separate ourselves from those identities and become one. I'm going to light a candle and let's shuffle the cards and see what card is for us today. Oh, God. You got the seer. Oh, all right. All right. I'm going to read you the invitation. The seer invites you to trust your intuition and follow it as it leads you forward. You may feel lost when it appears that your hunch is taking you in circles or even through a maze, but the hidden realms don't follow the rules of a two-dimensional map. That's so everything that I'm trying to be about, that there's something else existing out there that I need to pay attention to beyond what I see with my eyes and experience with my consciousness. Yeah. And also the the intuition part. I've felt pretty far from my intuition lately. I've doubted it. I'm not sure what it is. Is there something that happened that sort of shook you out of your alignment with your intuition? No. I mean, I don't know. When I experience things that other people don't and I share them and they're like, oh, I always get the sense, even if they don't say it, that somehow I'm wrong, which is not good, you know. (laughs) But I tend to think other people don't see it, so I just better shut up. Well, that's part of the reason we're doing the podcast. Okay, good. Is that so many women feel like, gosh, if other people are not having my experience, then it must not be true. Right. And I certainly shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, like, you've been... uh, theater actor for 30 years. Yeah. And you love comedy. I do. You also love Shakespeare. Yep. And you're unique in that I've never worked with you. Right. And I've actually only seen you on stage. I wanted to know if you feel like you channel your characters Mm. or if you are having some sort of ancient remembering from a time before. Okay. Well... I find the synchronicity of when I play a character to be something I can't ignore. When I play a certain character, it seems as though it's at the perfect time in my life to do it. I just played a woman, Paulina, in The Winter's Tale. That woman speaks truth to power. I mean, she is just looking at this king who is destroying everything around him. 
because of an unfounded jealousy. And she's like, stop it. Look what you're doing. Stop it. She barges her way into rooms she doesn't belong. And she's like, cut it out. And I feel like saying that to so many men in rooms right now. I feel like kicking down the door and just being, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. <laughs> so that was very helpful to me. I was grateful to have that to, uh, if you want to say channel, I'd say sh she channeled me in a way. Mm. Um, Shakespeare gave me the words to say and the circumstances to say it in so that I could do it but be safe because I wasn't actually barging in rooms and having to be responsible for what I did, but I got to do it anyway. And so that was a gift. I mean, I, honestly, when I teach Shakespeare to people who think they hate it or I never liked it or and it all depends on their 10th grade English teacher. It really does. It's, it's like it could ruin it for the rest of the, their life. And I have so much repair work to do with students. But what Shakespeare does is he speaks poetically and poetry are words that are symbols more than signs. Poetry allows for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And words, often, just regular words, point to one thing and one thing only. We define it. That is what that word means. It can mean nothing else. But Shakespeare moves the words around for the very reason people fear it. It's the reason it's so powerful to me, is that he moves the words around in a sentence. But in the end, it's up to the audience to figure out what it means to them. And if people come and watch and are listening very literally to things, going, I don't understand what that means. It's probably because you're sitting there trying to understand it with just your brain. So speaking aloud Shakespeare, like sit by the fire with your cup of tea and just read a passage, like I don't know what this means, but just say it and taste those words. And eventually you will attach meaning to it. And maybe you still don't understand what it means, but the fact that this sentence had so many R's in it, or T's, or a lot of vowel sounds, that moving through your body out loud will affect you. Do you have a favorite passage? Uh, okay. I can't have you sit here and not ask that yeah. question. <laughs> there, oh, there's so many. I, I guess I'll take Pauline. She was talking to the king. He says, I'll have thee burnt. And she goes, I care not. It is an heretic that makes the fire, not she which burns in it. I just love that. Uh, and I love the fact that it has so few syllables, all single syllables. And so that gets this sort of machine gun thing going, oh. you know? I think that's so beautiful. And I was going to say and this may be too out there, but when I saw you, and as you like it, you were um, Ro Rosalind. Rosalind, yeah. yeah, about 17 years ago. Okay, so I saw you on stage then, and we were outside in a theater uh -huh. on the round. Beautiful. And, and when I see people perform, there are some people, the crown of their head opens a little and light comes in, oh. and you know that there's something coming through. Huh. And then when I saw you as Lady Macbeth, and this is what kept coming to me over and over again when it was like, you have to call Kate, you have to call Kate. Um, it's this 
arising out of the belly. And so you're sitting across from me and you actually were making that movement with your hands oh, really? like coming out of your belly. Right. And so that's how I see it. Now, everybody sees differently, Interesting. you know, but yeah. I see channeling in people, like if there's something being dropped in mm. as a light source coming through. And I see ancient remembering as this. Coming up. Yeah. And I have seen you do both. And so how, how do we get to the place where we can get into that space where we can speak our truth? Well, I mean, warm ups and cool downs. <laughs> so say, yeah, say more about that. I think that would help people because all of us play many roles. Right. And we're trying to hold on to all of them. Okay. Um, warming up. I do say my lines. Um Riding that rhythm and getting into that rhythm. You know, Shakespeare, he's got that rhythm going that people equate to a heartbeat. And so to get into a rhythm with your voice, you need to get into a rhythm with your body. So I do stretches and I just make sure my body is there in case I want to take a different step in terrible shoes or whatever. I just get my body ready so that it's not standing in my way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the cool down is interesting because depending on the part, you can be left with a lot of, and Lady Macbeth was very difficult for me because mm. I, in fact, I never, ever want to play her again mm. because calling all that up and then having such a terrible death is, um, and in the play you saw, I was covered in blood from head to toe, stage blood. And I went downstairs and went directly into a shower, trailing blood behind me. And I knew it was stage blood. I knew it. I'd done it hundreds of times. But every time I saw the blood circle that drain, oh, yeah. something in me was like, oh, you know. And I, I just had to get her out of my, my mind. So I'm very mindful when I'm taking off my costume, when I'm washing off these things. Well, you know, I love this. I mean, I know that this was traumatic for you, so I apologize. But the <laughs> idea of the blood running down the drain. Yeah. So many people oh, that yeah. I work with, the transition from work to home is so hard. I bet. And so it's thinking of things that you can do as you go over the threshold mm -hmm. to be the other role. Yep. So many women who are incredibly intuitive and empathic go into the work world and they come home and they've absorbed everybody's energy. Yeah. And I'm like, just step into the shower and intentionally say, mm -hmm. all that is no longer mine, I release down the drain. That's so great. That's exactly. So that's, that's exactly. A cool down. Yep. Yeah. I mean, all these things. Like, I, I played Richard the Third at a very young age. You played Richard the Third. Yeah. Say more was, about that. That was like my big start, really. So, um, I polished the swords at the end of that show. I was in charge of taking care of the swords, and so I would wipe off. I'd rub. There was no blood. We didn't have stage blood, but I like clean them and put them away. And that was very much like, goodbye, Richard. And then I had a hump on my back that was snapped into a, um, a tux jacket. And so when I'd unsnap it, I'd be like, get rid of that thing, you know. And the costume designer, thankfully, took that hump and she encased it in this very soft flannel fabric that had pink polka dots on it. <laughs> so, but the funny thing there was that because I've been doing it over and over my body started changing and I saw part of my body get bigger than the other side because we did this for a whole year, you know. And also when you're, you're friends that you're traveling with in the cast, most of your day is spent 
with them looking at you and yelling at you and calling you a hunchback toad and being angry at you, that hurts. And I began isolating myself and thinking no one understood me and da 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 And so I began getting paranoid and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's where I learned that cool down is really important. And so that was really you separating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he was in there. He was in me. And maybe this is why I do this movement from my stomach, is I feel like there's this little cast of characters. Mm. So this cast of characters sitting in a green room, putting on their makeup, waiting for their chance to go on stage. <laughs> in your body. In my body. Your body is a green room. Yeah. I love that. And okay. then they come up. And, you know, and they come out and and the ones who didn't get to speak are like, damn it, when is it my turn? <laughs> and then they're just a bunch of divas and they all want a chance to talk. And were you born with this cast of characters? I assume so. Yeah. yeah. So we are. Well, I, that makes sense to me that because we all that, have a cast of characters in our bellies and yeah. they're waiting for their time to yep. step on stage. And they're all me. I mean, in that way, it's not just separate from me, they are but they're you. my play. I am the play. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so they get to act through me, you know, and I know that I'm personifying. Yes, we, we understand. Okay. Yeah, we, we know. Right. Yeah. Um, We're talking a metaphor. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, again, Shakespearean. Yeah. It's poetry. Because I can't explain this yeah. with, with specific conscious language. Because I'm talking about something that isn't. And if I respect that it isn't always conscious and specific, then I can't try and name it that way. And so what art does is it allows you to have the language of the unconscious made manifest in conscious reality. It marries both. You can't be creative without having a, a little bit of that ancient, what you're calling ancient stuff, and what I call my gut, <laughs> you can't, or whatever I'm massaging when I make that movement, you, you can't have creativity without both. For me, I feel like, here, here's the paradox. My art is the, is the transitory live thing. My art, my creativity involves hundreds of people. It involves a cast of people or designers or whatever, if it's a one-person show, but it involves an audience. And the greatest irony of my life is that all I want to do is be alone on a beach. And I wish that I had the kind of art I could make where I could just leave it on a stump. You know, it would be, <laughs> I love that image. It would be so nice to be that sort of person. So what I've come to understand is I need both things. Mm -hmm. And I need to be okay with paradox. Because paradox is when two truths exist at the same time, right? And they seem absolutely bumping up against each other and canceling each other out. But once I quit making them fight and just think, okay, both can exist, to me, that is a huge mystery. Right. Because how can one exist if the other one does too? When they seem to cancel each other out, and then once you realize, well, they, they both do, so what are you going to do about it? Being comfortable with that and walking around in that and marveling. Don't worry about how they fight or argue. It's your brain that's making the argument. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm here and so am I. You know, <laughs> just explore yeah. as opposed to manipulate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Explore as opposed to manipulate. Yeah. How did you figure out that you refuel from sitting on the beach? The 
the beach has always been where I feel the most at home and the least pressure. We spent most of our summers on the Chesapeake Bay in this tiny little neighborhood. My parents let me run around like a wild child. So I spent a lot of time outside and a lot of time on the beach and I'd spend so much time there playing by myself. And a lot of what I did was sit there and look at the water and just try and be a bird or be part of the beach, belong there. I wanted to be like half bird beach girl <laughs> or something. And so that's where uh, just me being and breathing was exactly what I thought the world wanted and what I should be doing. But um, I find that after a show, I need to get right to the water to see nobody looking at me. And I can just drop all the expectations and the performing and get back to little Katie sitting on the beach being half bird, half human. And that's power. That's power. To be able to do that or to have both things or... To be one ah. with all that is. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's all that is. So I've, then, I, then I am empowered. So tell me a little bit about... The, and I, I struggled with this too. I wanted to make power empowered. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me a little bit about that language? The, like why is empowered more comfortable for you than power? Well, power to me, I had this huge talk with friends last night about power and thinking of myself as powerful and how I didn't really until you said you have it and how I just thought of myself as loud and I'm, I won't lie to myself. I'm truthful to myself. And so I'm loud about that. But then I, And then it, it was like, I felt powerful because you gave me some. What a gift that is to give somebody is to say, you have power and just say it so clearly and knowingly that I'm not like, Rebecca, you're a foolish woman. But I'm like, you know something that I don't. <laughs> well, anyway, and I, that, that was, goes to the seer. Yeah. Yeah. You see people. And I saw you actually. And I've seen your power come in mm -hmm. and I've seen your power come through mm -hmm. in your craft. Wow. And I would suggest that you are at your most powerful when you are at one with the ocean. That when like you are your true nature. Yeah. Without any of those identities, that's power. But like, it's the pro the, I mean, if there's a problem there, it's that. I'm not helping anybody. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there. I'm helping me, but I'm not being the change I want to be in the world or something. I mean, I can't, I can't share that. That is like, that is, that is uh, mine alone. And I think that's wonderful and I need it, but I need it in order to get back into the world and start to do my art or do the teaching that I do. I, it's, it's like refueling. It's getting my perspective back and believing that my perspective is right for me. Right. To thine own self be true. Yes. Right? Always. <laughs> so, so, so that, I guess, is where, okay, I have power sitting here on the beach. But honestly, that's kind of when I feel 
it, it's funny. I, I was about to say the most powerless, but it's only because I feel like I've tapped into all that is. And so the power is, is not centered in me. I'm just sharing it as opposed to controlling it or having it or manipulating it or using it. I'm just not stopping it. It's not that I'm nothing there, and it's not even that I disappear, it's just that I don't get in the way. And feeling that swirliness and being okay with the mystery of how you feel so powerful when you're not doing anything at all and you've almost lost sense of yourself, but that's okay. So there's something in here about productivity equals value. Yeah, I know. That, and that it's not just enough I know. to be you in bliss. Yeah. And it's like nature is surrounding you and yeah. supporting you and uplifting you mm -hmm. to be your most powerful, true nature. And, and maybe in this case, just being true is power. True to you. True to me. Um, so... We're about out of time. Oh. I've had so much fun with you. Is it, what do you want to say? What do you want people to hear? Like you've been saying things as your characters, but what yeah. does Kate want to say? What do you want to throw into the river? Wow. Um. If you, oh boy, this is this is where I need to become like sound wise, and I just. I'm so hesitant to do that. Okay. So, we, all right. So put both feet on the floor. Okay. And put your hands on your knees. Okay. Okay. So you, when I asked you that, you went to your head. Did you feel that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are you comfortable closing your eyes? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm feeling you almost being strangled. Oh, right now? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So just imagine removing the hand mm -hmm. from your neck. Mm -hmm. And if you're comfortable, maybe put your hand on your heart. And one hand on your belly. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to know what the character who has not spoken wants to say. The character who has not spoken. Hmm. I'm just thinking of words like possibility, okay. potential, untapped energy. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about things that could be rather than anything specific oh. and how great it is just to feel. And when I get strangled thinking about these things, it's because I'm trying to name it and I'm trying to not allow mystery and just be okay with knowing there's an energy there and I don't know what it's going to do or what it's going to say, but it's possibility mm -hmm. and there's hope. I'm, I'm holding on to mystery. I'm just holding it up and trying to swim around in it and see what it does. There's a freedom in allowing part of yourself to be free. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. Thank you. Thank you so much. As you go about your week, I hope that you will speak your truth to power or that you will allow the woman who has not yet spoken to speak. Imagine what she has not spoken wants to say. 
Voices in the River was created by Theo Balcom. And if you'd like to work with me, my website is RebeccaAlman.com. That's Rebecca, A-U-M-A-N.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. And thank you for the wonderful feedback.